Hi, and welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, Alex Beckstedt, Managing Editor of The Horse. Tonight, we'll be discussing equine pain and discomfort and ways to manage it. This event tonight is sponsored by Zoetis. Horses can be painful for many reasons, from arthritis to colic to corneal ulcers and everything in between. The challenge is not only picking up on their signs and causes of pain, but also managing that pain so they're more comfortable and have a better quality of life. To answer your questions on this topic, we are joined by Dr. Lori Bidwell, co-founder of East-West Equine Sports Medicine, a sports medicine practice that provides services for hunter-jumper circuits on both the East and West Coasts. Welcome, Dr. Bidwell. Thank you very much. To get started, can you tell us a little bit about your equine and veterinary background? Yes, I'm originally from Michigan. I grew up on a horse and cattle farm, and I was lucky enough to do 4-H as a kid. And I always thought I was going to go to vet school, but then I was more artistically kind of inclined, so I got pushed that way and did a, a BFA in art history, actually, at University of Texas. Um, but then when I came home from school, my horse got stung by a bee, and I called the vet out, and um, and he gave me a job at his clinic. And uh, the first day I worked, we had a colic surgery. And that was the moment I knew what I had to do with my life. So I actually had to go back to school for the prereqs, and I went to vet school at Michigan State. I um, did an internship in Kentucky at a large practice called Rudin Riddle. And then I did a residency in anesthesia and pain management back at Michigan State University. And so that was another three years. And I'm so thankful that I did that. I um, I love medications. I mean, they're truly amazing, and they fix most things. Um, but in my career, I worked back at Rudin Riddle in Kentucky for a while, and then I actually went and taught at Ross University in the Caribbean. And what I realized is that drugs don't fix everything. And so I worked with some people that did acupuncture and Eastern medicine, and I got involved in that and did the training. And so my practice is mixed. I do uh, horse shows with my husband. We both show and compete in the hunter-jumper circuits. And I grew up ship riding and so it's really what I always wanted to do my whole life and I tried to find a career that would allow me to do that and so what we do now is we travel to California in the winter we spend five months in Southern California at a big hunter jumper circuit we bring our horses with us we bring our dogs we used to bring our cat we've tried bringing our goat that didn't work out very well um, but we compete and then we work and then in the summer we actually go to northern Michigan and Traverse City and do four months there and do the same thing, take our whole life. But um, Lexington, Kentucky is our home, and we actually have a retirement farm there for horses, and so I feel lucky that I call that my home base. Um, but but it's interesting, like today in the veterinary clinic at the horse show, we have walk-ins constantly, and we see colic, and we see lameness, and we see eye pain. And so all day it's managing, diagnosing, and trying to help treat pain. Um, so I feel very lucky that I get to do this every single day. Um, I got kicked by one of the horses I was working on today, so I am managing my own pain. Um, but I'm um, hopefully, you know, my experiences can help answer some questions tonight. Well, we certainly hope you heal up quickly, and thank you for carving out an hour of your busy day to spend with us. <laughs> Before we dive into our questions, I do want to remind everyone of our Ask the Horse Live format. We start with questions submitted during registration. If you're listening live and want to submit a question, you can do so via the chat window or the app. We'll do our best to get to as many of your questions as possible. If you're listening to the podcast recording of this event and want to join us live in the future, you can visit thehorse.com slash askthehorselive to register for notification. And with that, we'll get started. 
Great. Dr. Bidwell, we've got our first question from Renee in Minnesota. And I think this is a good one to get us started with. She wants to know what are the subtle signs that her horse might be in pain? But I think we can also probably cover some of the not so subtle signs as well. Okay, I am gonna start with the not so subtle. Um, you know, those are the obvious ones. Your horse is not eating. Um, it doesn't even wanna come see you when you go to the stall or out in the paddock. Uh, it doesn't wanna walk. I mean, when horses are in severe pain, they are very good at letting us know. The subtle signs are the tricky ones. Um, those can be, again, a horse not eating, but maybe eating a little bit, um, not, really wanting to interact as much with you or with other horses um, or just not quite themselves. You know, you can see changes in their facial expression um, or just in their personality. And those are really the not so subtle or the not the subtle signs, I apologize, of pain that their personality has changed. And um, so I think it is so important to spend time with your horse and just make sure you know what is normal for my horse and so you will recognize what is abnormal. That's great advice. Carol in Pennsylvania, speaking of the subtle signs of pain, uh, wants to know a little bit about the horse grimace pain scale. Could you describe that for us? Yep, that is, uh, it came from a research project trying to find a good method to actually recognize pain looking at horse expression. And they use the location of the ear position. They use um, like the jaw muscles, how tight those are, actually the muscles in the forehead. Um, and I feel like I'm forgetting another one. Um, their eyes, actually looking at their eyelids, if their eyelids are open or closed. It was an interesting study that was looking at horses post castration surgery and looking at kind of the common signs that they would see in pain. It's it's an interesting pain scale, but I think this brings up the question of pain scales. Um, there are quite a few, and I'm sure most of you have been to a human doctor for something that's been bothering you, or you've had surgery for something, and they'll ask you on a scale of one to 10, what is your pain level? If 10 is the worst and one is not bad, um, or one to five, um, or one to 100. I mean, there are truly a lot of different scales. And so this was another method. I, I think this goes back to our question number one, though, that when you know your horse well, you will recognize when their facial expression is different um, and their behavior is different. And so a pain scale is is good, but not great if it's also complicated. Um, there's a pain scale for donkeys and donkeys are incredibly complicated to recognize pain in sometimes. But it can when you print it out, it's like 10 to 20 pages. I mean, it's a lot. And so it's not the easiest process to use. And so for me as a veterinarian, I use a one to 10. Um, I, you know, when I look at a horse, I look at their facial expression. I look at their behavior towards me. Do they want to interact with me? Do they want to eat? Do they want to just turn their back end towards me and not have any interaction whatsoever with anyone? Or are they just standing at the back of their stall and they're just not even paying attention to anything around them? So those are signs that in my head, I can think, okay, you know, this is kind of an eight on a pain scale or watching this horse, it doesn't even want to move. So that's a high number on the pain scale. Um, I, I think they're very useful for a clinical practice. For owners, I think it's just, again, really important just to recognize when your horse isn't its normal baseline expression or behavior. And for those of us in our live audience, if you want to see the Grimace pain scale used in that castration study, we've shared a link in the chat box. 
So Nancy in Illinois wants to know that, or wants to know if her horse is constantly parking out, would you suspect pain, such as in the back, hawks, stomach, or any other area? The answer to that is probably um, all of those. I mean, it's really a tricky thing when horses park out. You know, we see horses that have colic or abdominal pain, they will park out sometimes and it looks like they're trying to urinate, but they just can't. And I think it's a behavior that comes with just not being able to get away from the pain that is bothering them. Um, you know, quite often it's abdominal. I wouldn't say that I see it very often for um, hock pain or back pain, but every horse is different again. And there are some horses that are very stoic and they don't show much. And then there are some horses that I had a horse once that had a bump on its leg and he would not let me put a saddle on. I mean, he made it very clear that I couldn't even put a saddle on. So in this situation, if you have a horse that's constantly do that, I recommend having your veterinarian come out because um, I was talking to another veterinarian here today and in California, they see a lot of bladder stones and that can be a behavior associated with bladder stones. Um, it certainly can be a behavior you see with foot pain as well. So you know, if your horse's behavior has changed that you see them park out a bit, I would definitely have your veterinarian come and evaluate your horse. So Paulette in Colorado wants to know if there are any long-term side effects of the commonly used pain medications in horses. And I think this is a good question that could benefit from a brief description of the types of common pain medications that we might use okay. in horses. All right, I'm glad we're talking about this um, because I'm sure most people have an experience with using but or phenylbutazone in their horse or banamine, which is flunix and megalamine. So those are NSAIDs and those are the two most commonly NSAIDs that we use. Or, um, the other one is Equiox, uh, which is a once a day tablet that um, is also called Prevacox in dogs, uh, for dogs. Um, there are several NSAIDs that are available, and what NSAIDs do is they basically block the production of um, its through a whole process um, of prostaglandins, and um, it basically it blocks different mechanisms of inflammation and pain. But the negative effects of NSAIDs can be they also block the production of the gastric mucosa. Um, or not mucosa, but the mucus layer that protects the gastric mucosa. So um, you definitely can set up a horse for having gastric ulcers if they have high acid content in their stomach, um, they're on NSAIDs for long term. Uh, NSAIDs can also decrease the blood flow that goes to the kidneys. So that is another risk that some horses could be prone to that if they're dehydrated and they're receiving an NSAID, um, there's certainly a risk. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make in veterinary medicine is that we don't warn everyone of all the side effects. You know, again, in human medicine, when you listen to an advertisement for any medication, there are about 20 side effects that sound terrifying and amaze anyone uses any of those drugs. And the reality is that this is possible with any of the drugs that we prescribe for horses. You know, we, we're lucky that most NSAIDs, um, we don't see negative effects, but they certainly can set up some horses specifically ones that might be prone to problems. Um, so you have to be cautious with that. Uh, but I say that again, I had a pony that was on a gram of phenylbutazone once a day for probably five years when I was younger. Um, the other thing is that it also can decrease the proteins in their blood, um, which can cause some long-term effects. So if you are using any of these drugs long-term, it's really important to have your veterinarian come out and do some blood work just to make sure that their body is still functioning well and to make sure they're eating. Uh, the other thing about gastric acid production is that horses 
really produce acid all day long. And they really should be eating most of the day. And a mistake that we make by putting horses in stalls is that we change that habit. You know, wild horses will be out grazing for 20 hours of the day, and that matches the acid production that they are doing. But we put a horse in a stall, we give it, you know, a high calorie content, um, high energy content grain in the morning. We give a couple flakes of hay. Then they have a, oh, a long period of not eating, and then we do the same thing, long period of not eating. And so then we also stress the horses by taking them to horse shows, and so then they can be a little more prone to have problems. So, so these are all important things to keep in mind. That, um, and that's why we use some protective things like omeprazole uh, to decrease the acid in the stomach if we are concerned about that. Um, some of the other medications that we use long term, there's one called gabapentin. And if anyone that's listening has had hip problems like chronic hip arthritis or knee arthritis, your, your doctor, not veterinarian, might have prescribed gabapentin. And it's an interesting drug. It is basically made to, um, it was supposed to be an anti-seizure medication, but what they found was it helped with nerve pain. And so when you have chronic pain like a hip, your nervous system is so hypersensitive to anything that even just putting your foot on the ground can be conceived as pain. And the same thing can happen to horses that are in laminitis or chronic, chronic navicular disease. So this drug, helps reset the nervous system and quiet those hyperexcitable nerves. It's only a good analgesic in, alone in 30% of people, and I believe that's true in horses, but you combine it with an NSAID or another medication, and it helps kind of quiet down those hyperexcitable nerves and allows the other drug to work. Um, some of the negative effects of this drug can be liver issues, kidney issues. It does have to be metabolized by the liver. It's excreted through the kidney. When you're challenging the horse with another medication that maybe is decreasing blood flow through the kidney, you have to be a little concerned that you could have some kidney problems. So, again, any long-term medication, it's really good to have your veterinarian do blood work every six months, especially in older horses. Um, just better to be safe than sorry. Thank you for that. So Terry in Australia has a horse with arthritis and she wants to know what sort of pain relief she can give him on days when the farrier is um, taking care of his feet to make him more comfortable. Okay, um, which is very valid because there are some horses that it's really hard for them to stand on one leg for a while. So if that horse isn't receiving an NSAID on a regular basis, it certainly would be worth giving a dose of bute or banamine either the night before or that morning that the farrier is coming. Um, the gabapentin is better kind of over a, several days, so it's not something I would give just a single dose the night before. And this is worth talking to your veterinarian about too, like what is the best option here? Um, there are some horses that a little sedation actually helps as well. Um, we use drugs like xylazine or dolmosidan uh, for sedation, but both of those drugs are also analgesics. And dormosidan really has the most consistent analgesia. So those are two nice options if you have a horse that maybe gets a little anxious about the process of having the farrier because they know it's going to be painful to stand on one foot. So giving some sedation, and again, you need your veterinarian to come out and help you with this, but it might be that that's just part of the program, that you know when the farrier's coming, I'm going to give some bute or some banamine the night before, or the Equiox that you use maybe on a regular basis, and then I might need to have the veterinarian come out and give some sedation when the farrier comes. 
So on a similar topic, Hazel in Canada wants to know what are her pain management options for her senior horse with arthritis on a more of a long-term basis. Okay. I love old horses. I We have a whole bunch at our farm. And my husband and I, being veterinarians, we tend to get kind of these older horses to show that have got some history and some illnesses. Um, and so it's a joy for me to work with old horses. Uh, a couple of things. So um, it's really interesting, and this might be going a little out of our um, normal conversation, but there been, has been a study going on in Kentucky looking at horses. And when a horse is in daily exercise versus a horse that's just starting exercise versus a horse that's not in exercise, they you can detect these different inflammatory or anti-inflammatory cytokines in their bloodstream. And what they have found is that a horse that is just starting exercise, a young horse, will have a lot of inflammatory cytokines in their blood. And then a horse that's in regular work that's very fit has anti-inflammatory cytokines. They are actually capable of helping themselves recover. So that's why, like, I used to run, but I haven't in a couple of years. And if I tried to go run a mile today, I promise you, I would have a lot of inflammatory cytokines in my body. I would hurt for probably two weeks, to be honest. And that's what happens to a young horse when they're starting exercise. So, you know, that horse might need a dose or two of butyrbanamine when they're getting a little sore. For the horses that release their own anti-inflammatory cytokines, they can probably help themselves. Um, but if you give the horse that's in hard work and is fit and you give them an NSAID on a daily basis, they don't produce their own anti-inflammatory cytokines. You're preventing them from helping themselves recover. So, so those are kind of ones that I like to do, you know, just a dose every now and then if they need it of butyrbanamine. Older horses that aren't exercising are probably releasing inflammatory cytokines all the time because their body is, is beyond being able to heal itself. They're not fit. So that's when I like using something daily like Equiox. Um, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, that doesn't really work in my horse, but maybe it wasn't the right situation. And I also want to remind everyone that if you go to the doctor and they prescribe a medication, like even an opioid, if you have surgery, um, it might make you completely fall asleep, it might make you vomit, or you might feel fantastic. Everyone responds differently to drugs. And it's the same for me with Tylenol versus um, uh, aspirin versus naproxen, that I respond well to naproxen, I don't respond well to anything else. Every animal is the same. So if a certain drug didn't work in one horse, don't think that that's not a good drug. It might have just not have been the right horse for that drug. So in older horses, I highly recommend if you have someone in your area that um, does acupuncture, and I know this might be another question coming up, um, but older horses really respond well to Eastern medicine. Once a month, I think, is a great option, and it just helps balance their body. And then if they need something else, then you can add Equiox. If they need something on top of that, like I have a horse at home that hurt himself out in the field, and he's on Equiox, I give him a dose of butyrbanamine on top of it when he really needs it or I just double up his dose of Equiox. So those aren't, you know, it's it really is a matter of what does each horse need, because no horse is the same. Well, we'll move on to a slightly different topic now. Uh, Tia in Ohio wants to know what an owner can do to make their horse more comfortable if it's colicking. Okay, um, so colic, which I have seen several of today, um, it all presents a little differently. So if it's uh, subtle signs, um, the horse isn't feeling quite right, 
and you know your horse well, um, like you know, you know, they maybe colic. Um, we had a horse go to colic every holiday. I don't know why, but he chose the holidays. Um, so you can get banamine, and there is oral paste um, that you can have on the farm. And so there, I might give a thousand pound dose orally. Um, but colic is one of those things that it can get bad pretty quickly. And so, um, you know, I've heard people give GastroGuard to horses with colic, but unfortunately GastroGuard needs to be given on an empty stomach and it takes uh, about 12 hours to really see an effect. It's not, um, it's not instant. And um, I mean, I probably don't quote me on that, but, um, but I don't use gastro or um, GastroGuard or UlcerGuard or Omeprazole in a colic case um, because usually you need something that's going to work a little bit faster. Um, feeding electrolytes or giving a tube of electrolytes isn't necessarily a good option either um, because if they don't feel good, we actually have seen a horse get an ulcer under its tongue because it just held the electrolyte paste under its mouth, under its tongue. So um, again, you can try some banamine, and sometimes that is all that a horse needs is one dose of banamine. But typically, I would make sure the veterinarian that you use on a regular basis knows that you do have a concern and just have them ready to come out in case there is a problem. Well, now let's discuss another big topic. Lois in California wants to know what the best pain management options are for a horse with laminitis. Okay, so laminitis is one of the most frustrating things for owners and the horse because unfortunately horses have to stand on their feet. You know, as an anesthesiologist, that's the most frustrating thing for me too with anesthesia is that you can't make a horse lay down for long term. They're not meant to. They have to stand up. They're flight animals. It's their instinct. Um, and that's the problem with laminitis too is that they have to stand on the thing that's causing them so that is something that when it is um, acute laminitis, you need to be very aggressive. You know, when I was a kid, our pony developed laminitis from being out on green grass in the spring. And so our veterinarian actually had us dig a hole in the sand and we just kept running cold water and left her there for 24 hours. And I'm thankful that we were aggressive that way. And it actually did help. Um, ice or cold water will help decrease the inflammation and using an NSAID like butyrbanamine is also gonna help that process. Um, but when you go to long-term laminitis, the horse's body really changes. Um, chronic pain can actually change the way genes are expressed in the body. And I'm sure most of the people listening have seen those horses whose bodies have completely changed. Like they don't look like the same horse after a year of dealing with laminitis. And so now the body is basically set up to respond to every stimulation as pain. So that's where drugs like bute or banamine are used on the longer term. It's usually phenylbutazone or bute that we use for that. Um, sometimes Equiax is helpful, but using something like gabapentin might be a good choice. Um, um, it's interesting because some people want to use isoxaprine. There's kind of been a history of people using isoxaprine, which helps vasodilate a bit, but there is no research that has ever shown that isoxaprine helps with blood flow in feet. So that's where, you know, for me, it's long-term using an NSAID if we need to, trying to back off, I'll go to acupuncture or using, um, you know, alternative therapy. Those horses' bodies are quite painful, and so massage is a really good option for those horses. Um, just making sure they have a good diet that's going to help support, um, you know, not having inflammation. Sometimes these horses are more cushionoid or have metabolic disorders. And so you want to avoid carbohydrates in those horses. So, you know, changing their diet is incredibly important as well. 
So it's a combination of really looking at the whole body and trying to find a way to, to manage and balance things. And we feel like we're at the clinic with you listening to the horses whinny in the background. I know. I, I, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's great. Well, we did just have that. Yeah. We did just have a question come in from our live audience. Christine okay. has a 14-year-old upper-level dressage horse who is usually sound, but in cold weather changes, he head bobs for a bit until he gets warmed up and then works out of it. It goes on for about a few weeks. Okay. Um, she's wondering how concerned she should be about this. And just to give you a little history, she said that her vet has injected his joints with hyaluronate sodium, ProStride, okay. He's been treated for neck arthritis, topical NSAIDs, um, but he does not handle Equiox well. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like your veterinarian's involved and understands. Um, I must admit, when it's cold, I have a lot of arthritis, and I definitely don't get out of bed as quickly, and I don't move. I mean, as I get older, just getting out of my car is, is tough. Um, so... I think it's really important just to understand that your horse is going to need a little more time warming up. And I think in a case like this, um, massage is a wonderful option and actually just a really thorough grooming because sometimes you just need something that's going to help stimulate blood flow. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, we had to curry our horses and, and my dad always made sure it was really important that we did that every time before we rode. And it was more just to help the horse warm up. So, you know, certainly if it's a bad day and your horse isn't feeling good, then maybe you need to give an NSAID like butyrbanamine if that seems to help. But honestly, I think it's really important to make your grooming routine really part of the whole equation. Like use a good grooming tool, whatever you have. Um, I usually do tail stretches in horses, actually, before I put the saddle on, if they tend to be that way. Um, I, tail stretches are pretty easy. I grab the, the bony part of the tail. And I usually lean back to one side and just let the horse lean against me. I'll do that for about 30 seconds. I move to the middle, do the same thing, go to the other side, same thing. I let them tell me, like some horses are need a tail stretch. And so I let them lean against me as long as they want to. Um, but that really actually helps stretch the muscles all the way to mid lumbar. And then for joints that are a little stiff, try some stretches. You know, I just come to pick up their legs and just kind of flex them and straighten them and flex them a little bit. It's really just getting blood flow to move a little bit. And that really can help. Well, we now have a question from Alex in North Carolina asking how you can distinguish pain in a horse from burnout or learned helplessness. And we did get several questions asking how to tell the difference between pain behaviors and just attitude. Okay. It's, it is a tricky thing. Um, I know that the horse magazine has published an article on this. And so I'm going to let you um, put that out for people to review. Uh, you know, it's really learned helplessness and depression are kind of the same thing. And, and I think it's, it's really a complex situation because when a horse gets to a situation where they're just depressed, they're not interested in life, it's usually a matter of you need to change things up. And, and determining if it's pain or not, I think, is really important first. So have your veterinarian out and have them go over the horse and make sure there's not some underlying pain source causing it. Because sometimes it can be feet. Sometimes it can be their stomach. 
Um, you know, it's surprising, like horses can have arthritis in their neck that never manifests easily. Like we will have horses that just have shifting lameness in their body. And it might be a matter of uh, that's actually neck arthritis. And so, so evaluate the horse completely first. And then if all things look good, there's nothing really to be concerned, then I think it's important to change up their environment. You know, there are some horses that are in school programs and, you know, they're great lesson horses, but they kind of turn off their personality and they just kind of, they're just kind of sad. And I think it's important to make sure they like horses that they're near. Like sometimes just moving a horse from the stall that they're into a different one helps. Um, sometimes it's diet. I mean, sometimes some horses need to be changed from, you know, a high carbohydrate diet to something low carbohydrate. You know, in people like I really should not eat carbs because I have terrible inflammation in my body from that. And it just makes me feel kind of blah. So it's it's looking at the whole picture and sometimes changing things up. If this horse is a lesson horse and it's just sad and it just doesn't really want to work, take it on a trailer ride. Like let it do something different and try to find something that gives it a little more interest in life. You know, it's the same when we have horses that are rehabbing. Um, it's really boring to be in a stall, and I don't think that's healthy for any horse just to stand in a stall. So if you can take it out for a walk, let it graze, you know, change something in its environment just to give it some interest in life. And that's what I think is important in this situation as well. Well, we have another question from our live audience. Eileen has a racehorse who had a career-ending sesamoid fracture. He always has heat in that leg and walks gingerly, but she says he runs in the pasture unless she gives him a calming supplement. If she gives him too much pain relief, he uses himself too much and becomes even more painful. So could that calming supplement be helping the pain or what would you recommend? That is a tricky one. Um, so he obviously feels good enough to run or is it a matter of he's not comfortable out in the paddock and he needs a different friend? Um, so I think we can sedate horses to the point that they don't feel any pain and they're fine. But I feel like this might be a little more complicated and um, and it might be a matter of, you know, does this horse need a friend out in the field or does it not like the horses near it or is it just that it can't see horses? Um, you know, what it's kind of looking at its environment and situation, trying to figure that out. And then it is finding a, a balance. Um, you know, it might be a matter of just getting a friend or a goat, which I do not recommend everyone get a goat. Like, honestly, my goat is trouble. And she is so bossy with the horses that some of them don't get along with her. Um, but then she also will just hang out in the pasture with a mare that I have that's being rehabbed. And they love each other and hang out. So, so it's just trying to change things up a little bit. Um, and there are different options for calming. Um, there are Chinese herbs that you can use. Um, there are pastes that are calming, there are pellets. Like we're actually very lucky because a lot of companies make different calming options that can be fed you know, twice a day. And so it might be a matter of just finding a good balance, um, not letting him do too much that he's hurting himself. And um, you know, what is in his environment that needs to change just to help him be a little happier and more comfortable. Um, I will say too that not every horse likes being turned out. And um, I have a mare that she is a show queen and she had an injury and um, a tendon injury. And so we ended up breeding her to keep me from riding her because she's lovely to ride, but um, it was a good way to make me give her time. 
And, um, but she didn't like being out in the pasture. I mean, she would just pace. And so it's, it's tough for a horse like that. So it's finding the right balance for that horse. So we know she like now that she's showing again, we turn her out for half hour to an hour and that's all she really wants. So again, um, try some different things with that horse and see um, what will make a, a good balance. Yeah, that's good advice. Jackie in Tennessee wants to know if chiropractic be an effective form of pain relief. Um, the answer is yes, in the right situation. I have known horses that love chiropractic work, and um, and I've known some that absolutely hate it and don't want to be touched that way. So, you know, and it's a matter of um, you've got to find someone that you're comfortable with, and, um, you know, do they get along with with that horse. Like it's the same for me when I do acupuncture on horses. I, not every horse likes me and I respect that. You know, we had a yellow lab and my yellow lab did not like acupuncture in any way. And it breaks my heart a little bit, but it's just the reality. And so same thing with a chiropractor. So if you find a good personality that seems to be right and that horse seems to really respond well to that, then it's worth trying. We have another chiropractic related question from Karen in New Mexico. She says her mare gets chiropractic adjustments, but they're, they seem to be uncomfortable or painful for her. Should she give her a sedative beforehand to help her relax and be more comfortable? Um, that's, it's a tricky question because if it's uncomfortable, does she truly need it? I mean, if it's something that seems to really make a difference for her, okay, but uh, you know, even for me doing acupuncture on horses, if, if they're not enjoying it, I'm probably not going to get the response that I want. And, you know, what happens with sedation is it's a muscle relaxant as well, um, especially with alpha-2 agonists like xylazine or dromosidin. Um, And so that can relax things. And so it might not be really an appropriate adjustment because the chiropractor can't kind of feel where there are issues. Um, it's, I, I don't really like doing sedation for that. If the horse doesn't like it, I'd actually rather not do chiropractic on it anymore. Uh, if I can, I would go to something like massage. I'd try acupuncture. I'd try something else just to find something that they like. The other thing I do want to mention too is I have a Hypervolt massage gun and I had a human acupuncturist use it on me a couple of years ago here out in California. And I was like, I've got to get one of those for horses. And there are some horses that love it. And so as an owner, that's a wonderful thing that you can get for your horse, but not every horse loves it. And so you've got to go slow with it, um, but it is a nice option. So, so again, if a horse doesn't like the chiropractor treatment, I'd much rather not put them through that and find something else that they like. Yeah. So we've had a few questions come in from our live audience about using acetaminophen or Tylenol for pain relief in horses. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, so what we are finding is that acetaminophen, I think it's 20 mg per keg twice a day, seems to be helpful. Um, what we have found, though, with acetaminophen and naproxen is that they don't work as well alone as just using butyrbanamine. And so it might be a nice adjunct to phenylbutazone or bute in your horse if it's not quite enough. Um, so, but saying that there might be an older horse that just needs a little something. And so acetaminophen is worth trying. Uh, it's worth talking to your veterinarian about and just seeing, you know, if that might be a good option for your horse. 
So Jory in North Carolina has mules and donkeys, and they are very stoic. She wants yes. to know how to recognize <laughs> pain in them and if there's any research on into pain levels in donkeys and mules. Yes. Um, so I did mention this earlier on, and I'm very glad it came up because they are incredibly stoic. Uh, you know, they have learned that if they show pain, they usually end up getting eaten by a lion, um, or, you know, uh, historically. So um, basically, they just will not show any signs of pain or illness until they are really, really sick. And that is very tough. So I think as a group from England did a donkey pain scale. And please Google it, look it up, because it's complicated, but donkeys and mules are complicated. Um, and so um, it is helpful. I mean, it's all about facial expression and behavior. Um, but boy, they're tough. I mean, they're tough creatures and they can live through a lot. But when they are showing signs of pain, you've got to be really concerned. So I know that's not a great answer, but it's not a simple uh, question, unfortunately. So please look up uh, the donkey pain scale or donkey pain evaluation, because there's actually a rescue group in England that does a lot of research on them. And it's incredible what they've done. So it's worth looking up. Is that the donkey sanctuary? Yes. 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 Amazing. Thank you. So we have a question from William in North Carolina who does not have donkeys. He has Percheron okay. and his 16 year old Percheron mare needs a sedative to have her feet trimmed. And okay. he wants to know if there are any side effects to using Demorsedan gel to help her when her feet are being trimmed. Okay. Um, so glad that was brought up. Um, so I'm guessing, but I don't know the full situation, but um, your Pertron might have some shivers, which is a really interesting condition that makes them um, not comfortable when they either have to back up or pick up a foot. And horses can show shivers in one leg, all four legs, just the back legs. Um, it is a progressive condition, but it does make uh, working with the farrier quite difficult and it's basically when you pick up a horse's leg with shivers they kind of over exaggerate and really pick the leg up and then sometimes they'll shake a little bit and then they might relax and put the leg down but it's tough with the farrier so um, if that is the case with your horse uh, again sedation is good if it is just from arthritis um, sedation is good but dormosidan gel I love I um, I have to completely admit like I really like alpha-2 agonists. So xylazine or rompin is one of those drugs. And then dormosidan is one that is incredibly reliable, incredibly safe. So with the gel, you have to give it 45 minutes before you do anything. What they have found is if you give it with not enough time, you're not gonna get a good response. Side effects from it are very minimal. I mean, truly, I have never seen a negative side effect from it. Um, I will say that I sometimes find it's not quite enough for some horses, but if it works for your horse, that is wonderful. Um, I've had to use it for really aggressive horses, and I've used two tubes of it in a horse that was incredibly aggressive. Um, Alpha-2 agonists, those drugs really are safe. What we find with them is the more you give, the longer they're sedate. So if you need two tubes, then again, I know it's not labeled for that, but it's incredibly safe. We accidentally had a horse um, when I worked in Kentucky that got 12 times the amount of Dormosidan IV that it was supposed to get. And that horse was incredibly comfortable because it's a really good analgesic, but for 24 hours. So it was just, it is the more you give, the longer it lasts. Um, so I do love that. And the gel just seems to be mild, but, but useful. 
So I know that's probably more than I you probably needed for that question, but it's it's a good drug. That's great to know. So we had a last minute question come in from Jan. She wants to know why her horse gets very irritated to the point that he tries to bite her when she grooms him with a soft brush on the sides of his neck, barrel, and flank, but not over his back and shoulders. Uh, interestingly, she says he's not as reactive to a stiff brush, it's just the soft one. Could he be uncomfortable in some way? That is a complex question because... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes or no. Uh, I've definitely known thoroughbreds that don't like to be brushed at all. They're just sensitive to that. And I think personality is such a big part of it. Um, you know, it's probably a chestnut horse because honestly, they are much more sensitive to those things. Um, when I will say, because I know um, this is something that happens sometimes too, is horses might suddenly get girthy when you're tightening the girth. And it's interesting because we found that that seems to be associated with foot pain, especially in the front feet, that if they haven't been girthy before and they do that suddenly, it's usually because their feet are a bit sore. Um, and that's from my Eastern medicine background that that seems to be an association. But it's different parts of their body. I mean, truly, some horses can have hyper responsive nerves. Um, yeah, everyone is a little bit different and we don't know maybe what happened to that horse when it was a foal. Um, I think that's the interesting thing too. Like we have a foal right now and we've got, you know, until it's five, until we're really going to know if it's going to be a good jumper. And that is so much time for them to get into trouble and do goofy things and have weird stuff happen to them. So, uh, we just never know what might cause things. And again, it might just be his personality. I mean, we have a horse that when you go to put a blanket on him, he tries to bite you. And that he thinks is hilarious, I think, is why he does it. So I wish I had a good answer for you. Um, what I would do to try to find an answer to that is try sedation when you're brushing and see if there's any response. I mean, again, I get your veterinarian involved in this or try giving a dose of butyrbanamine, um, you know, the night before and see if that changes the way the horse responds. I mean, it's a it's a tricky thing. There is a technique that we do for horses that are really just kind of sensitive and painful on their skin called mesotherapy. And it was developed in human medicine for people with back pain. And basically you take these really short needles and they come in kind of a special delivery um, package. And they're like four, three to five needles in a row. And you just put them into the dermis of the skin and inject you can inject saline, you can inject, inject local anesthetic, you can inject steroid. Um, there are a lot of different things you can inject. But what we have found is in horses that are really sensitive like that, that can kind of block that pain process if it's a pain associated mechanism. And why that is, is because the same nerves that give us normal touch sensation go through the exact same um nervous process into the brain through the spinal cord as the nerves that are responsible for prickly pain. So the just normal sensation are called A beta fibers. The prickly pain fibers are called A delta. And so um, if you get pinched and you just rub that area, your moms did this when you're kids, um, what you're doing is overriding the pain sensation because both of those stimulations have to go through the same location through the dorsal horn of the um, spinal cord to get to the brain. And so that's like if anyone's ever used a TENS unit, it's the exact same thing. That what you're doing with a TENS unit is just stimulating the A beta fibers so that any pain underlying from A delta fibers is not being transmitted to the brain. You're training the brain to not feel that sensation of pain, but just feel normal sensation. It's pretty cool. So that is something that you can try in that horse as well. It's called mesotherapy.
Yeah, that's really interesting. So it looks like we've and had some questions. Alex, I wanted to say too, you can actually, I apologize for interrupting you, but like a lot of pharmacies like CVS um, sell um, TENS units that you can just like stick on and turn on. And if someone is really feeling like adventurous, they can actually try that on their horse, like in an area in the neck. So, so I put that out there that someone can try it. So sorry for interrupting. Oh, no problem. I've actually uh, bought one of those TENS units before to use on myself. It's a very interesting experience. I love that. <laughs> That's great. Um, so we have had some questions come in from our live audience about um, natural products such as CBD, devil's claw, things like that. Have you found any of those that actually work to alleviate pain? Well, I just want to put this out there that you never know what you're actually getting when you get those. They're not approved by the FDA and people have tested different CBD um, options and found that there might be like 1% or one tiny, like a tenth of a percent of actual CBD in something that's sold. Um, and the other thing with a lot of these natural products uh, is that they're like, we actually sent one off to the USCF to be tested because uh, someone had given some to a horse that was supposed to be a devil's claw and something else. And it actually had strychnine in it. And then there was another one that we found that had butte in it, even though it was supposed to be all natural. So I am incredibly leery of anything that is not approved and labeled appropriately for a horse that's not FDA approved or, or controlled. Um, uh, herbal things are, are very kind of vague about, you know, the quality of the product that you're getting. Um, saying that though, I know people like Colorado State has been doing studies on CBD and it's worth looking up the research and it's worth finding a producer that actually has um, testing levels that are high quality. Um, the other thing is, um, I was in another lecture with someone recently, and they said, you know, if you get a product, send it off and have it tested and see what's in it. And if you then can trust that producer, then you, you know, it's worth getting. I use Chinese herbs, but I only use them from a source called Jintang, which is in uh, Florida, because I've been to their facility and I know that they are very strict and it is an FDA approved facility. So I'm comfortable with the quality of product that they use. Thank you for that. So Justine in Oregon wants to know how can she treat a painful area on her horse if her horse won't let her touch it? And of course, we don't know if she's talking about a wound or soft tissue injury, but do you have any advice for her? Um, it That is a good question. I mean, they're all good, but um, you know, it's a matter of, yeah, is it a wound? Is that something that, boy, maybe your horse needs an anti-inflammatory medication before you even try to touch it, or maybe you shouldn't be touching it? Uh, if it's a sore muscle, it's a matter for me of kind of changing my approach. Um, I find that I have to do that with a lot of the horses that I do acupuncture on that, you know, they might not like needles and so, or they might not want me to touch a certain area. So I'm going to work on a different part of their body first and then come back and just see if I can just do like gentle touch or get like a hot towel and put that on the area and just try to get some blood flow to that area and just got to get it to relax a little bit. So um, it's, it's a question that, you know, if it's a wound, try not to touch it, try to, you know, get a veterinarian or clean it up as gently as you possibly can, give an anti-inflammatory to try to get rid of some of that inflammation and pain. Um, but, you know, maybe you shouldn't be touching that, but if it's a muscle or something that the horse just has sore muscles, you might have to just take your time and try to find some kind of gentle methods like using a little bit of heat, something else. 
So you mentioned acupuncture, um, and you mentioned that a few times. Sharon mm -hmm. in Canada wants to know if acupuncture is an alternative pain management therapy for horses and how that might work. Yes. Yep. I, um, I was not a believer at all. And I worked with several other people that were certified in acupuncture. And so I started watching what they were doing, but it wasn't until I went and did my own, my training, I went to Florida um, to a school called Chi and uh, I learned kind of the traditional Chinese medicine. There are three places a veterinarian can do acupuncture training in the U.S. And um, Qi is the most traditional Chinese medicine. There's another group that does uh, kind of a mix. And then there's another group that does very Western based. And that's um, or just kind of based on the nervous system in Colorado. So um, we had a human acupuncturist there the first day of class and I had a terrible sinus infection. So she pulled me up in front of everyone, put some needles in my face and my sinuses drained in front of everyone immediately. And I actually um, had some really stiff muscles in my neck. And so I went to her later and had her treat me and, and I was amazed by how well it worked. And, you know, in humans, there is placebo effect. You know, we can truly believe that something is helping us and it makes a difference. I, horses, I don't think there's such a thing as placebo effect. I think there is for the riders sometimes, but not for a horse. And so I have seen it in action in horses that, you know, I've seen some dramatic changes in their body. And um, and there's a lot of research out now. I mean, truly, if you have time to Google and just look up research, like PubMed is a good source. Um, I'm very thankful that that's definitely becoming, um, you know, validated because of these research projects that we found and it's pretty amazing how acupuncture works on the nervous system so yeah um you know i do acupuncture every day here at the horse show and i've had days where i've done 18 horses and i've had trainers that want me to do their horse several times a week because it helps them perform um, i used to do a lot of retired horses and dogs and i miss them um i because i'm never home so i don't get to see them but um it really was great to see how well they respond. So I think it's a, a great option. So we do have a follow-up question from the live audience from um, the horse that we discussed earlier that warm, warms up, needs time to warm up, uh, might be a little bit stiff and off until he gets going. Mm -hmm. They want to know if you stretch the horse's legs and neck before work, is it important that you do some sort of activity before stretching the horse? Um, I think it's a matter of like letting the horse kind of tell you how much they can do. You know, I don't ever want to do anything dramatic right away. Uh, I have a young horse that I always stretch his legs when I put the girth on just to kind of stretch the skin. But then he started sticking his leg out and wanting me to just stretch his leg. And so it's it's a matter of, you know, how old is your horse? Um, how much can they tolerate? Um, let them kind of guide you so you know um, how much to do. because you know, some horses might get a little concerned if you're asking for too much or asking for too much of a stretch. So like if I pull a horse's leg out to stretch, I'm going to just flex the knee um, and I'm going to just kind of move it back and forth a little bit, like just kind of gentle motion. And then I'm probably going to put my hand underneath the hoof. I'm going to have a hand under the knee and I'm just going to pull it out towards me gently. I don't pull it straight out. I always pull it down towards the ground. Um, because you don't want to do anything dramatic. I mean, if someone made me stretch my legs, I'd probably cry because my legs are so stiff. Uh, so just keep that in mind, that doing something very slow and gentle and let the horse tell you. If they don't like it, don't keep doing it. Let them put their leg down, let them relax a little bit, maybe try again. But I always let the horses tell me what they need and like. 
Well, we have a question from Amanda in Minnesota, and she wants to know, how does she know when a pain medication or management strategy is effective on an older horse or when it's time um, to put him down? That is such a tough question. And, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with hospice programs, actually, in small animal and in equine at universities. And um, I think it's, you know, you know your horse and you know when life isn't fun anymore. And I think it's such a hard decision for owners to make. I mean, I look back at when I was younger, I mean, I couldn't make that decision. And now that I know how kind it is um, for us to do it, I think it's it's making sure that every day that horse experiences some kind of joy, that, you know, it's got a friend that it likes or it's um, enjoying its food. Um, you can give a lot of pain meds to an older horse if you need to, but there's a limit to that. You know, when you have to have two NSAIDs on board or you've got to double up the dose to help that horse have a good day, you're challenging their, their gut, you're challenging their kidneys, um, you know, total protein. And so that might start upsetting their stomach. Um, kidney failure really is upsetting on the stomach. And and I actually, you know, was dealing with a dog recently that was going through that. And, and he just wasn't enjoying life anymore because he didn't want to eat. And so it's looking at the whole picture that we, unfortunately, we are the selfish ones usually for these cases that we just can't let go. And that's really unfortunate for all the horses because sometimes we, we do, we keep trying for too long and their life isn't really that great. And so I think you've got to kind of make a realistic picture and step back sometimes too. Um, I, it's really important for me to have owners kind of evaluate like pictures, like in chronic laminitis. And we were talking about that earlier. I think it's incredibly important if you're starting a process of chronic laminitis that you have pictures from where you started with that horse of what it looked like. And, you know, every week or month, take a picture and it helps you look at that horse and realize, wow, I mean, his life has changed so much. And he's really, is he really enjoying life? Because it doesn't look like it. And it just helps you step back sometimes. So I mean, this is a tough topic. And uh, it's it's never an easy decision. But I also think it is the kindest thing we can possibly do is let our let our friends go. Yeah, it's a great answer to a, to a pretty tough topic. Well, I think we have time for one more question, and I will go ahead and take one from the live audience. Anne wants to know if you've ever used acupuncture to help alleviate pain in a laminitic horse and if they can benefit from that. Yeah, the answer to that is definitely. Um, you know, there are good foot points and laminitis is heat as well. And so there are some acupuncture points that help release heat. And, you know, the other thing is I love acupuncture because unlike Western medicine, where we just look at the problem, we don't look at the whole body with acupuncture, you look at the whole body and okay, so this horse's feet hurt, their back end is going to hurt because they're shifting their weight away from that, uh, from the front end and putting all that pressure on the back end. So we really need to help make the back end comfortable too. And so that's why I love it because it looks at the whole picture and we try to make the animal comfortable everywhere. So I, I highly recommend it. I think it's very useful. And, you know, I've had the horses in acute laminitis that I've treated every other day or every three days just to help get them through that initial pain. And that's in combination with mute and icing and doing a lot of things. But it's just another tool that we've got that really helps. Well, that seems to be about all the time we have tonight. 
Um, thank you, Dr. Bidwell, for joining us, um, particularly in light of being kicked by a horse. So thank you for <laughs> thank sticking you. with us. <laughs> thank you. Um, and actually, they're starting some shockwave in the background, so this is probably a good time for me to go. Good timing. <laughs> um, well, we also want to thank Zoetis for sponsoring this event, and thank you to our audience for listening and sending in some great questions. And until next time, from everyone here at The Horse, have a great night. Thank you. Good night.